How many of you have thought about the cash for clunkers rebate? Anybody? I know I have, because I, I have a clunker. <laughs> but when you look at it and you say, okay, if I take so much off and I do this and I do that, you know, I think that a lot of times we look at it and we say, well, but reality set in. And I realized, I can't do that. So you push it aside, right? There's, there's other times that we use that phrase, but reality set in. Uh, you think, I always wanted that house on the lake, right? Yeah. But then reality set in. I always wanted that knight in shining armor. But then reality set in. Right, Patty? <laughs> I was always looking for that promotion. But then reality set in. I always thought life would be different. But then reality set in, right? And, and these voices don't e always just come from inside of us. Sometimes they come from people outside of us. Say, your mother. She says, reality is you're not getting any younger. <laughs> reality from your spouse. Reality is this marriage is just not working out. From your BFF, your best friend forever. Your boyfriend is a jerk. From your iPhone, reality is your stock's just plummeted. Reality can be pretty cruel sometimes. And that's how we often associate reality. We tend to, to see it as the disappointment of a dream, of the way we wish that things were, but they're not, and of the way that you always thought they would be, but they're not. So many times we see and we declare reality equals disappointment. And um, it's really a thing that we learn to dread. We don't want reality. We want to live in an unreal world. When I think of that, another thing that comes off of reality is reality TV. Now, there's the thing to dread, right? Oh, goodness. But there's, there's something that I think we can learn from reality TV. It's that our perception of reality is not always true reality. When we watch those shows and like, they're like two seconds apart getting to the mark, you know, Really, they were probably an hour and a half difference, but they just edited it, put it together, and made you all tense like it really mattered. It's all in the editing, they say. It, it's called reality TV, but truthfully, honestly, it's not really real at all. It's been twisted into a good story. It, the, the directors are guiding this reality into something that they want you to see. It's a false idea of reality. It seems so real, but it's not. And, and really, it's all about our perspective. Are those things truly real? Is that the whole story? We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. You can go ahead and open to Colossians chapter 3. 
And scripture reminds us of a reality that we all know too well. And it, it starts in verse 5, and I'm just going to read it real quick. Our main text is 1 through 4. It says, Therefore put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 8 says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Say, oh, well, thanks for the reminder. I think I know I have problems, right? And that's, that's the reality that we see so much. I've got problems. It's not just with our cars. It's not just with that house. It's not just with, with uh, the, the man of our dreams. But it's about um, who we are, how we're made up. And the sins that are in our lives. The things that keep us from God. But it's not the whole story. We don't live life with that reality. I've got problems. Okay, well, I guess I'll just have to live with it. That's just my reality. This passage in, First Corinth, uh, I'm sorry, in Colossians chapter 3 tells us. Here, okay, here's the big idea. Here's the whole story. Here's the whole sermon in one sentence. Reality is that we have been permanently, inextricably... That was a fun word. I couldn't resist. You can't take it out. Unexitable. We have been permanently, inextricably bound up with Christ. Here's Christ. Here's us. And on the journey of life from the beginning to the end... He wants to be tied to us. Now, <laughs> what I mean by that is that it's just like a three-legged race. And I'm sure that's very helpful, right? Okay, three-legged race. You have one person here, one person here. You tie them up and you say, okay, here's the start. There's the end. Get to it. And it's fun because you see them fumbling around and falling all over the place. and Uncoordinated. That's me, usually. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being bound together on this journey of life and even beyond. That's what it is. So what does it mean? What does it mean that, that I'm permanently, inextricably, should have practiced that one more, inextricably bound up with Christ? We're going to look at five realities, five things that this means, five things that this has to do with our lives, five realities of being bound up with Christ from the start to the finish. And just so you know, these realities are dependent on being bound to Christ. These realities are not going to be a reality if you're not bound to Him. And we'll talk about that as we go here. So we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but right in the middle of this passage, there is an awesome reality that I want to share with you. 
Because we are bound up with Christ, living with reality means that we've died. Yay! Right? Okay, we went from having problems to being dead. Thanks a lot. This is progress here. In Colossians 2, if you just look right over, Colossians 2, same, same book. Colossians 2.20 says, Therefore, if you have died with Christ, if you've died with him, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. With Christ. That, that changes everything. Let me just tell you. That phrase, you're going to see this throughout our time together tonight. You're going to see that phrase, with him, throughout this passage. And when you see that, I want you to think of the three-legged race, okay? So when Christ died, he took all of my sin upon him. The very core of my problems, right, comes down to me. I'm the problem with our relationship. So when he died on the cross, so did I. When he died, all my faults and failures died with him. He took the brunt of my punishment in full, and sin no longer has a claim in my life. Now, if there was a warrant out for your arrest tonight, which I really hope there's not. If there is, please exit now. No. <laughs> but, but if there was a warrant out for your arrest, somebody's looking for you, right? Somebody's coming after you. And they're not going to stop until they find you. Hopefully. And they have a claim against you. They said, you did such and such. You did this. And if their claim's accurate, and if justice is served, you're probably going to jail for the thing that you've done. But, if you died, and the guy with the warrant comes and says, hey, I got a warrant for your arrest. We're like, well, he, he is dead. So... The warrant has no claim. It doesn't matter anymore, right? The warrant is null and void. It doesn't matter. When we showed up dead with Christ, he had paid the penalty for our sin. It's not just that, that well, we're dead, so that penalty is gone. Nobody had to pay for it. Christ said, I'll take it. You're coming with me, though, because it's the only way it's going to work. We died with Christ. And that changes everything. Christ paid that ultimate price. He took the pain of my consequences, of my sin on him. And now, I'm a free dead man. Well, that's great, Chris, but uh, forgetting something, still dead. That brings us to our second reality. Because we are bound up with Christ, living with reality means that we have life. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, wow, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. That if then is, is really could be translated since. Since you have been raised with Christ, our life is directly tied in with the life of Christ. That's why Paul in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 17, he says, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, 
and you're still in your sins. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, none of this matters. And you're still in your sin. Then verse 20 of that same chapter says, But now Christ is risen from the dead. That, again, changes everything. And it's not just that Christ rose, but he brought us with him into life. If you look back, uh, Colossians chapter 2 again, we're going to look at verse 13. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him our three-legged race, having forgiven you all trespasses. That is the reality that I'm talking about. That's the reality that I want. I don't, wanna, I don't want my re- reality to be, I've got problems. I'm going to have to deal with it. Here's my reality. I'm dead. Here's my reality. I have life with him. It changes everything. Someone said that the death is a fact accomplished. When you died, there's death. But the resulting life is a fact continuing. That's a continuous thing. The death happened, but the life goes on forever and ever. Verse 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, and really, that could be, you could take the who is out. When Christ, our life, appears, we are bound together with Christ in his life. Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, say, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And, and that idea of baptism is immersed in or fully experiencing or fully identifying. So it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism in death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. No doubt we're bound together at that point. We're with Christ. And that changes the rest of our life. That changes our entire reality. That, in, that changes everything that we ever knew. It's not about my problems anymore. It's about my relationship with God. But we have to live life. And when people say that, you automatically think, well, that means what he said here is not really what he's trying to say. But Christ is our life. He is that life. We're bound together. And because we're bound together with Christ, living with reality means that we have purpose. Did you know that there's a reason why you exist? That, that's a question that so many people are looking to answer. Why in the world am I here? 
And in some of our Bible studies, we're looking through the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And Rick Warren says, The search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point, ourselves. We're trying to find the purpose of life in me, like I'm the center, like everything's about me. But really, our purpose is to glorify God. And not only that, let's look at verses 1 and 2 of uh, Colossians chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So, since we've been raised with Christ, we have a new life. And we can't be self-focused anymore. Because that only got us into trouble. And it doesn't make sense to do anything else but focus on Christ. That word seek, in in verse 1, it has the idea of pursue. I mean, the very nature of the word seek is a continual activity, isn't it? If you stop doing it, you would no longer be seeking. If you use that word seek, you're saying, I'm still going after it. I haven't achieved my goal yet, but I'm headed in that direction. That's where I want to go. That's my purpose. And and Paul said in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, not that I have already attained. He's in the same position we are. Not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on. I seek, I pursue, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. God has a purpose for your life that he wants you to lay hold of, that he wants you to seek after. And it's not a purpose for him. It's not, well, I want you to do this, so you better start doing it. It's, I care so much about you. I, I am with you on this journey. I am with you from beginning to end. What's that purpose? Well, we we talked about, it says, don't set your mind on things on the earth. And and we talked a little bit about that at the beginning. Uh, Verses 5 and verse 8, you know, talking about the, the different problems we have. Don't focus on those things. Don't dwell on those things. Don't be seeking after those things. That's not what you were made for. It says, set your mind on things above. Verse 1, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. What are we seeking? It's not, well, there's heaven, and I'm going to seek after heaven. I'm going to be thinking about the streets of gold. I'm going to think about the pearly gates. I'm going to be singing hymns and praise songs for the rest of my life about heaven. That's not the focus. He's not thinking about uh, a a philosophical dream or or being high-minded. He's saying, look towards your example. There he is. He's seated at the right hand of God. That's your purpose. That's your goal, is to be like Christ. And 
in verses 12 through 17. You can read it later, but it, it talks about some of those characteristics. What it looks like to look like Christ. It's like it's like a, a kid brother who just won't leave you alone. Have you ever had one? I, I don't know. I'm the youngest, so I, maybe I don't know. But what you doing? Uh, nothing. I'm, I'm going to go out. Look, can I come with you? Uh, well, I, I don't really want you to. Uh, well... Can, can I hang out in your room while you're gone? Uh, I, I guess if mom and dad make me. Can I play that game with you? What did you do today? What's going on in your life? Da, 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 da. And you have this kid who's always bugging you about wanting to be with you. And that's all he's saying. I just want to be with you. You're so cool. That should be our attitude towards Christ. It's not an obligation. It's not, I have to be with you. It's not, you're forcing me to be with you. It's not, I can't please you unless I'm with you. It's, man, I don't want to be anywhere else. I desire to be with you through life because anything else is not going to do. That's the attitude that Paul is talking about. That's what we should be seeking after. That relationship, that closeness, that oneness with Christ. Paul said in Philippians 2.15, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, let your two minds be like one. And I'm pretty sure he's not telling Jesus to change his mind. I think that's us (laughs) that needs to be the changing. It's about our focus. Is your focus on becoming more like Christ? Or is it focused on the things of the earth? The problems that we already got away from. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily ensnare us, those things on the earth. And let us run with endurance the three-legged race, well, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the start and the goal. He's with you that entire way, and he's going to get you to the goal. He's going to help you finish that race. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said... I did it. I'm done. Now it's your turn. I want to see you travel this way. And not only that, but I'm coming. And we'll be tied together. We'll be bound together through this journey. I mean, really, seeking and sharing are two of the things that New Hope is about, right? Seeking his heart and sharing his hope. That we, as a body of believers as a group of friends can come together and have that desire to be that kid brother. To work together to be that kid brother and say, man, I just want to be with you. You're, you're so cool. You're awesome. I just want to hang out with you. 
That's all I need from you. Can I just be with you? Now, I told you I was the younger brother, right? The youngest? So I know the response that my brothers gave me. They say, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Forget it. I don't think so. But it's completely different with Christ. It, it really, it brings us to our next reality. Because we are bound up with Christ, because we're going through life with Him, living with reality means we have safety. Look at verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 3. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The first thing that I think of when I think of that being hidden with Christ in God is safety, security. First of all, you've died, and the men with that warrant, they're not looking for you anymore. You're safe from that punishment. You've been relieved of that. Second, in, in a world of uncertainty, in a world where things are going crazy, it's so awesome to have something that stays the same. And not only that, it's not really that you're holding on to that thing that stays the same. It's that you're hidden. You're enveloped with Christ in God. I, I can't think of a safer place in the world to be. I can't think of a place that provides for my every need. I can't think of a place that is better suited for me and you. That's where God wants us in the palm of his hand, hidden, safe, secure. You know, really, marriage is the closest thing that illustrates the reality of our relationship with God. My wife is bound up in me, my identity. And I am bound up in the identity of my wife. Now, before you say, what are you talking about? What about independence? What about doing, you know, I, I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to lose who I am. Let me put it this way. You don't know me if you don't know my wife. And you don't know my wife if you don't know me. She's that much a part of my identity. And that's what God intended. That's what he wanted. We're hidden in each other. We're safe in each other. In the same way, we're hidden in Christ. You don't know me unless you know Christ. To me, that's so powerful. God wants me to have that identity with him. So, if you took me away from that relationship, I wouldn't be me anymore. It'd be something else. But praise the Lord, we're secure. Nobody's taken you out of that relationship. There's no way possible. <laughs> and that is incredible because it allows us to be all of who we are in Christ. Marriage is designed to be a place of, of safety and relationship. It's not always a perfect one, is it? 
I mean, we can fight and we can argue and we can break that trust that's been built between us. But you know what? With Christ, it's different. It's perfect. No matter what, Christ is going to be faithful to us. Ephesians 11.13 says, In him, our trusty phrase, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Christ has said, this one, he's mine. I sealed him. Taking care of him. Nobody's going to break that seal. Nobody's going to tear him away. I have a purpose for him. I have a plan for him. We've kind of looked at our past, right? The death and the life in Christ. That's our past. And it continues. We've looked at our present, our purpose, and safety. But next is our future. And that's found in verse 4 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Christ wants the world to know that you have a relationship with him. And, you know, even while we share it with others, a lot of times others don't believe us. They don't uh, accept that. They may not understand that. I think part of that is the hidden idea in the previous verse. But one day, our relationship with Christ is going to be undeniable. Nobody's going to be able to say, here's Chris and here's Christ. I don't see it. Everybody's going to say, wow, they really were on the same page. Maybe not always doing the thing that he was supposed to, this Chris guy, but Christ was walking with him, bound with him all the way to the end. Christ is going to appear one day. And, and it's really neat that when he is unveiled to the world, he wants you by his side. Me, the guy who had all the problems, he wants me to come to earth and for the whole world to see that relationship of me and Christ, of you and Christ. We've been studying the book of Daniel and, and how God revealed to Daniel so many things that were going to happen. Now, did everybody say, oh, Daniel said that God said that all these things are going to happen. So, well, I guess it's going to happen. Well, they probably doubted him. They probably scorned him. They probably thought he was a little crazy. 
But as we look back, we see that history unfolded exactly the way that God said it would, that God revealed to Daniel. And we look back and we say, wow, that's amazing. That's so neat. But you know what? God's, God's relationship with you, Christ's relationship with you, is just like that. Not understood fully right now, but one day it will be open for the whole world to see. It amazes me that the one who commanded history wants to be identified with us. And, and at the finish line, he wants to be tied up in that three-legged race with me. He wants to step onto that podium with me. Not third place, not second place, but I'm pretty sure Christ is going to come in first place. And he wants me to be with him. I think that's a reality that I can live with. We see the past, his victory over death, and our victory over death because of him. We see the present. Uh, we have a purpose and a security in him because of him. And we have a future of appearing with him. And at the end of that race, after we're re revealed to the world that me and Christ, we have this relationship, it doesn't end there. It doesn't say, oh, well, that was fun. Let's take this rope off. Oh, that was too tiring, buddy. He wants to spend the rest of eternity with me. Bound up together with me. Now, a lot of things are going to change in my life. But he still wants to be associated with me. And, and even, even through the difficulties of life, I can say, even when I'm fumbling on my one leg, and not in step with him with my other. He's right, he's right there. He's right next to me. And I think one day, he's probably going to just pick us up and carry us to the finish line. Have you ever seen that? A, a, a dad or a mom and, and their kid. And it's just like, okay, we're going to win this one. So I'm picking you up and I'm going. We're not going to be perfect right now. But we're seeking to become more like Christ. That's the amazing reality that Christ wants us to live in. True reality doesn't have to be a disappointment. It doesn't have to be something we dread. True reality is living bound to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you so much that at the beginning of that race, you said, I pick him. At that, the beginning of that race, you said, I want to be tied to him. 
Lord, I thank you that for each one of us in this room, you have that same desire. You desire to be bound together with us. Lord, you died, and we died with you. You rose, and we have new life in you. Lord, we have purpose in you. We have security in you, and we have a future in you. Father, that is an awesome reality. Thank you. In Jesus' name. It's hard to live day to day. I mentioned at the beginning that you can't do this if you're not bound to Christ. You can't have these realities without Christ. And praise the Lord that when we're bound to Him, nothing's tearing us apart. Nothing's tearing us out. No matter what situation, no matter what problem, no matter what difficulty we're facing, nothing's going to tear Him away from us. He's got an ultimate goal for us. He wants us to become more like Him. He wants us to be hungry that's the song that we're going to sing. Hungry, I come to you. And I really pray that that is a cry of your heart. I think... that it's a difficult step, but an awesome step to get with Christ on a team. There's no better thing in the world. So if you haven't made that step today, you can make it right now. You can say, Lord, I'm joining the team. Maybe a little later than somebody thought I should, but for some reason, Lord, this is your timing. I want today to be bound to you and have a life like no other. If you are living with the problems of the world as your focus, with the problems of your own self as your focus, maybe this is a time that you should just share. Say, I want to be focused on Him. I want my life to be seeking after Him.